What theology games can you play with your kids as they sit there in the house? You're listening to Table Talk Radio, the Plague Edition. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put the mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. You thought COVID-19 was bad. This is Table Talk Radio. Oh, that's... <laughs> But not good. The no. Black Plague has nothing <laughs> on Table Talk Radio. That's, that's right. <laughs> a plague for your ears. You're listening to Table Talk. This could go on. Yes, I think we'll just stick with this one. Um, okay, so we're going to do some Table Talk Radio today in yep, the midst. We're, we're both in our bunkers, right? Is that right? That's, that's right. <laughs> no more tower experiences. It's uh, the bunker experience from now Alas, on. Alas, the home studios for both of us. Indeed. Brought all the stuff home. It rode it with me in the Sunday drive home yesterday. In the box, the microphones, etc. So. Good, good. I mean, yeah. we sh- we should. Say- we're going to be talking just a little bit about this. We're going to move on to other topics, though, because yes, we don't. Right. Wanna... Table uh, talk radio for your family at home. We're going to play. This, we're going to do games that you can theological games you can play with the kids who aren't going to school anymore. Everybody's a homeschooler. So. <laughs> uh, we we. Uh, I, I think though that we should say that it's amazing that. We, we can accomplish with technology. I mean, you you could talk a little bit about what you did for church yesterday. We were able to continue the broadcast. A lot of the TV shows are still doing what they're doing with the guests at home. So it's an amazing time we live in. I was I was flipping through the TV yesterday because we just get the cable. I mean, wait, we just get the antenna, not the cable. And so I was seeing what was going on, and, and there was a basketball game. I'm like, how are they pl- watch going to basketball game? And it was like the NCAA tournament from 2016. <laughs> and then I flipped over to the next channel's golf, and it was some golf tournament from 2018. And I thought, wow. Golf seems like a sport that wouldn't be so, I don't know. I'm not much of a golfer, so. So anyhow, it is, but it is, it, it, so two things have ha- are happening at the same time, which is interesting to think about. Number one. Our our advances in understanding germs mean that that we maybe have more efficient ways of handling spreading with the social distancing. I mean, our understanding of germ theory does make a difference. Although I found, in, how's this for interesting? In 1918, the city council of Austin, Texas, ordered everyone to every public gathering, every place of assembly to shut down for 30 days during the Spanish influenza. Hmm. So St. Paul Lutheran Church was closed for 30 days back in 1918. Nobody remembers that because it was 102 years ago. But so, um, but it has happened before, but, but we know even more about it now, so we're shutting everything down. But at the same time, the same advances in technology that, that m- make the social distancing required are also able to kind of jump over the gap with mm-hmm. technology so that we can still talk to each other on the phone 
we can still even have virtual um, Bible studies and things like this. So yesterday at St. Paul, we, we pre-recorded the service and then launched it live on YouTube. You know, YouTube has this premiere function, so we could all watch it together. In fact, I was watching it from the Tower Studio at church, and I rang the bell at the same time the bell was ringing in the video. You know? So <laughs> nice. this kind of thing. Now, did, and then we had you... a Zoom Bible class. 100 people jumped into the Zoom uh, 100 computers. I don't know. It's more than that, I guess. And and we had a Bible class. And someone said, that was better than your normal Bible class. I don't. Hey, hey. <laughs> now, don't start thinking th this is just a provision. But it, to think of this as a time of mourning that the Lord has laid upon us, this fasting from meeting together and even from taking the Lord's Supper in some circumstances. And so we will always want to accompany our fasting with repentance and prayer that the Lord would relent I mean, I do think I mean, we should understand this as the Lord's anger, not over specific sin. But whenever we see some tragedy like this, Jesus tells us, hey, repent. So we don't try to stick the blame on someone, but we th these times of trouble are always calls to repentance. But and I, I like that you're in the three-year lectionary now, because that yesterday was a great text for that. I mean, mm -hmm. the, who sinned, this blind. man or his parents, that this man be born blind? One year was great, too. It was the feeding of 5,000. Oh, nice. Nice. Also. Uh, now I have a question. During the yeah. during the premiere video, of the divine service, did you have the comments enabled on the right side so people could be commenting? During yes, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I did. Done. But um, so but it was really interesting to know because I was watching that to see um where people were, and it was really nice because kind of at the beginning people were sort of signing in, like here, 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 and you could see where people were watching, and we had just people from all over the world from that's cool from from Greece and from Russia and from Africa and from Europe and from all over the United States and Australia and someone was from not a couple people from not Australia, so you know big <laughs> now, fan base down there you're you're a big youtuber, I don't really know how this works. Is there a thing um where you can like pay to have your comments stick at the top, yeah. Were people yeah. doing uh, that? You, you have to enable it, and oh. I never, I have not enabled that. Oh, okay, okay. The super chat. Oh, okay. I thought that'd be. Yeah, I think you have I to enable that. Be ironic that if Patreon people were doing that during like the that, divine but... service. <laughs> people are like, really love the service. Oh, so people were signing in, but then when the service started, that all calmed down, which is great. Mm. Um, so and then we didn't have a time. We didn't pass the offering plate, of course, because that's when everyone would have started chatting again. So good thing we just skipped that in the yeah. All right. Well, because that's what happens in real church. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's get after our buzzwords, and we can uh, have a few minutes here to to do some tick names in the news. My uh, theological buzzword for you is pantheism. I was thinking about oh, this nice. just because of the etymology of the word uh, pan, meaning all. So we've been hearing about the pandemic, different than a. Um, epidemic, which I suppose is at a place, but a pandemic is everywhere. Uh, so uh, pantheism is the belief that God is everywhere, that, that you could basically associate the universe or everything in it as the existence of God. So uh, pan meaning all, uh, I guess the ism or the theos, God and ism. So pantheism is the belief that God is everywhere. My buzzword, I, this is kind of bad for trying to avoid talking about corona, but my <laughs> buzzword for you is plague. Do you know that Luther uses the word plague two, 526 times mm. in the 15 vol, 55 volumes of his American edition? Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of plague. Ten times a book. So I want you to pick a number between 1 and 55. Uh, 37. 37. All right. Um, here, so here's a—oh, uh, interesting— this is from the Confession of Christ's Supper. 
And it says, the year 1527, oh, this must be like an introduction to his article. It says, in 1527 was one of the most difficult in Luther's life. During the summer, he experienced not only the most excruciating spiritual torments, but also sudden, so sudden and severe an attack of illness that he expected to die, and his recovery was very slow. In August, the plague struck Wittenberg, and when the university moved to Jena, Luther, who remained behind with Bugenhagen, was burdened with extra pastoral duties. In great discomfort, his wife was expecting another child in December, and near that time, his little son Hans fell ill. Meanwhile, other demands were crowding in on Luther. The elector was demanding his assistance with church visitation in Saxony, etc. So how about that? So during 1527, the plague came to Wittenberg, and the university had to move over to Jena. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Very. Ah, good. All right, so we only have, let's see, time is short, about two and a half minutes here. So we're going to do a little Ten Commandments in the news, and let's see, what should we pick for a news story? Hmm. Evan, I could barely hear you. Did I change something oh, on my end? I don't know. Oh, I'll, I'll make some adjustments here. But we're talking about the Ten Commandments in the news? I didn't change. Sure. I didn't, if you could hear me before, before, I haven't changed anything, so it must have been on your end. Um, but so coronavirus is the topic. Um, it's it's all that all the news outlets are talking about constantly. I think most people are getting kind of sick of it, but it's the circumstance that's around us. So how do we think about this in light of the Ten Commandments? Well, number one, we should tell the coronavirus that it should remember the fifth commandment: "You shall not kill." <laughs> yes, that's a, that should handle it, right? We should just preach to the. Preach to the vibe. No, it uh, it reminds us that we live in a fallen world. That's the main thing. I mean, we, you know, our conscience is always registering, hey, something's not right here, and that's good. Yeah, every I think everybody's conscience, it, no matter how good things are going, you're just looking around the world and you're like, something's off here. It's like mm. something's not, something's out of whack. Something's catty wampus. Is that a thing that people say, or just my granddad? Just your granddad. Caddy wampus. Something in this world is caddy wampus. We should all say that. It means <laughs> it's just kind of out of whack, whack. And so it reminds us that this world is a fallen place. And, and even when we see death, when we see tragedy, when we see suffering, we're like, this, is, this probably shouldn't be this way. So it reminds us of the fall. And the fall is, this is the first commandment. The Lord should be our God, and we should, we're created in his image, which means we had a share in his righteousness and his life. And that's lost, and now we suffer the ravages, the effects of sin, even uh, remembering that while the Ten Commandments tell us how to treat each other, that we see that this world is a, even a dangerous place, and that even the little germs can can end our own lives. And so, so that's the main thing when it comes to this plague. It reminds us that, that this, this is a broken world, and we live in the midst of it, and that our own human life is a miracle that's given to us, pre preserved by God. Indeed. All right, that's going to be all the time we have for this first segment of Table Talk Radio. When we get back, we're going to be talking about games you can play with your children. Bible B is among them, and I am going to go head-to-head -head against Pastor Wolfman. We'll see who comes out victorious in this game of Bible B. A little law and gospel mix in there too, Pastor Wolfman? Yeah, oh yeah. All right, with law and gospel, we'll explain how that works after this break, and we'll see what other games Pastor Wolfmiller has up his sleeve there. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, the Home Bunker Edition. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Where are they going to go? They're stuck at home? <laughs> we got you. <laughs> the Captive Audience Edition. <laughs> 
friends don't let friends listen to Table Talk Radio. Uh, you have no friends. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. Games you can play with your children. This mostly comes up because Pastor Wolfman never stopped being a child. Uh, That's true. Also, I read about it in Luther. Remember how Luther said we should play games? Um... I mean, I, I remember you quoting that. I mean, it's not like he wrote that in the small catechism or something like that. I know, it's in the large catechism. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to find it. I'm still working on committing the large catechism to memory, so that's why I didn't. So have, you're not there yet? Mm-mm. I'm getting close. Okay. Uh, pick another. Aha, here it is. Okay. Behold, thus, this is the end of the second commandment. Behold, thus we might train our youth in a childlike way and playfully in the fear and honor of God, so that the first and second commandments might be well observed and in constant practice. Then some good might take root, spring up and bear fruit, and men grow up whom the entire land might relish and enjoy. Moreover, this would be the true way to bring up children, uh, to bring up children well, as long as they can become trained with kindness and delight. For what must be enforced with rods and blows will only will not develop into good breed, and at best they will remain godly under such treatment no longer than while the rod is upon their back. But see, didn't you hear what it said, that men might grow up? You need to finally... <laughs> Pick a number between 1 and 55. I'll give you another plague quote. 42. Okay, here we go. 42. How about this one? An exposition of the Lord's Prayer for simple laymen. Oh, this is a... uh, Let's see here. In brief... What is Luther talking about? Uh, um, In brief, in brief, they are composed of that accursed rabble. This is typical Luther. That casts suspicion on everybody and scorns and condemns all, but always under the guise of holiness. This satanic, hellish, and accursed plague unfortunately rages in Christendom more devastatingly today than any other pestilence ever did. It poisons almost every tongue, and may God have mercy. People neither heed nor worry about this pitiful condition. Hmm. Hmm. Talking about being... uh, Scared. uh, Those those who are offended spiritually by their neighbor. That's really interesting. Hmm. The sensitive and tender saints cannot stand sin and folly. In the scriptures, these kinds are called serpents and venom. The people who are to- so holy that they can't st- they can't stand the sin of their neighbor and despise them. Oh, they're backbiters, slanderers. Wow, that's this is, I'll have to read this later. Let me tag that. Okay, I got a couple of games here. Okay, so we're going to talk about games we can play with the kids. We're going to play a little Bible week slash um uh slash law and or gospel, which is a good one. And the way I like to play it is the kids pick the verse, and i got to try to do it. Um, If you want to make it a little bit easier, then you can have the kids pick verses out of their catechism. Uh, So so those verses are a little bit more well-known. So I'll pick catechism verses for you, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. The other uh, option, by the way, to reverse this is a little game called Find It. So if you have more than one kid, 
you give them a verse or a chapter, like Genesis 7 or Isaiah 106 or whatever, that, that is a fun one. And then they, they try, the first one to find it wins. So that's good. And if you need to uh, stall the older kids, you can maybe put them in the other room. So they got to run in and find the Bible and then start looking for it. So, But I don't know if we can play that because I think... Uh, I think you'll probably cheat. So, so we'll just play a little round of Bible B. <laughs> All right, I got I got a round for you. Ready? Yeah. Uh, so three verses in the first in the first round, uh, worth one hundred points. A good a good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better Whoa. to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man. And the living takes it to heart. Sorrow wow. is better than laughter. For Whoa. when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I was thinking about this, how, you know, we normally put these two things on a continuum, like sorrow and happiness. Like like it's one line, like a dial. Like a like fluidity. Either, yeah, yeah, you're either happy or you're you're so you're cranked over this way or you're sad, you're cranked over that way. But I'm the more I start to live, be alive and also be talking to other people who are alive, I think that these things are not it's almost like a they're two different dials. You got a happiness dial so you can be very happy or very unhappy and then you got a very sad and very not sad that you can that it's possible to be happy and sad at the same time. I think, but anyway, that's what that verse is saying. You uh, because uh, what does it say? A sad face and a happy heart can coexist to one another. We so we try to use different words like like joy. So you say we can I be high on the joy scale and low on the happiness scale, or what? But anyway, anyway, this is maybe a subtle point. That sounds like um those verses sound like they come from Solomon, uh, to me. Uh, the 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 very wise, but then also sort of losing his faith and despairing king. Uh, Solomon wrote three texts that we have. Well, more than that, he wrote a handful of psalms and also maybe oversaw the publication of the Psalter in its second or third edition. And then he also wrote his own books. He wrote his handbook for wisdom to train the princes. That was uh, uh, that was called Proverbs. And he wrote this this poem about the church in Christ called... Song of Solomon, the mar about the marriage of church and Christ. And then he wrote his sort of philosophical treatise on work, which is good for us to meditate on. That's Ecclesiastes. But that's also where he, he, he puts forth this thesis that apart from the Lord's kind and, and mercy, everything is vanity. And this sounds to me like some of the stuff that, especially the, in that second verse, there was a line in there that sounded a lot like Ecclesiastes. Could you read that, like the 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 second part of the second verse? Um, I'll just read the whole second verse. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man. And yeah, it, that's the that idea. That's the end of every man. That seems like Solomon was especially contemplating. He was getting to the end of his own life there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what is the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is a book that's written by Solomon. Oh, that's your guess. Oh, okay. I thought you were asking me the question. Um, yes, that is correct. Congratulations. You don't have to, you don't have to take such a, 
a long victory lap when you're at home. You, otherwise, you have to go up and down the steps of the of the of the tower. Is it a ladder to get to the tower? There is ladders that are above the tower studio. So when you go oh. into the tower studio, you got to go into a door that has stairs that goes to a platform, and, and then, then there's a ladder that goes up to a platform, another ladder that goes up to another platform, and then another long ladder that goes Ooh. up to a third platform. Wow. You should Now, do you have a like a fireman's pole to get down? No. You should just... you should request that the trustees install a fireman's pole because what if like you're in the tower recording something and then someone needs pastoral care, you can just go right down the pole. <laughs> that would That's be sweet. Cool. <laughs> that is kind of cool. <laughs> I'm going to tell them. I should move the studio up a couple of levels so that I would have to climb the ladder through the trap door to get in there. Ooh, there you go. That's not a bad idea. Okay, so is this law or gospel? That's what I'm wondering. Well, this is a tricky one. Um, it's, pro- uh, it's probably law. It's kind of philosophy, I suppose. It, it, as, I suppose as, he, as Solomon is unfolding the emptiness of human life um, and, the, and this sort of starkness of our human condition, apart from the Lord's Word, that would count as law. That's probably it's coming in pretty close to law. There's not much gospel there. I don't think there's much forgiveness of sins. Until... until until Solomon, you know, I was reading this old notes from Kleinig on Ecclesiastes, and he says um, uh, that Ecclesiastes is about earthly joy, hmm. and how Solomon's problem is the emptiness that was found in the excess. Isn't this interesting? Mm-hmm. So that there's joy to be found in a in a man having one wife and in a wife having one husband, but in the excess, hmm. in having all these wives and concubines then there's emptiness. Isn't that something? Hmm. So in riches, the same thing. There's contentment in a man working and creating something, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a person doing the work that's set before him in a, in a humble way. But then it's in the excess that there's great emptiness. That's interesting. I think it's interesting. But anyway, I'm going to say this is law. I, I'll go for that. Yeah. I agree. Do I get points for that? Okay, what do you get? 100 for getting round one right, and then 200 for getting law gospel right, making oh, a total of 300. All right, I got a verse for you. All right, let's hear it. He rose again the third day, according to Scripture, and was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James and of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. When you first started reading this, I, I started racking my brain uh, for which of the synoptic gospels this would be because you have this kind of recording of the resurrection account. Uh, however, as I listened to it with uh, great more attention and, and uh, discernment, um, I started to hone in that this may not be the Synoptic Gospels at all, but uh, uh, one of the apostles writing after the events, because, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that the apostles, namely Paul, locks in on is the, uh, the resurrection being kind of the, the, the linchpin of all Christian truth. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, this is, this is something that some of the, the apologetic guys will talk about that say, look, if if Jesus has risen from the dead, then we can trust what the Bible says. So the question is, did that happen? And and Paul says that too. He says that, look, if 
Christ is not raised, and we are of all men to be pitied. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my guess right after this break. Stay tuned, and you'll hear where I'm guessing this from. Talk Radio. It's everyone's favorite. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. Tell. <laughs> how kind. How, how nice you're being. How kind. Yep. That's it. Okay, so... Here, Paul is saying, look, if if Christ has not been raised, then we are of all men to be pitied. And that is a theme that is found in 1 Corinthians. Hey, you got it. So here, You want to hone in a little bit further? Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, do I get points for it? I'm not going to do yeah, I'll give you, I'm not gonna all do right, slave how about labor here. Double or nothing for the chapter. Okay. So, um, so Paul is making the case that this is a historical event. Do you remember you remember when that guy uh Bill O'Reilly wrote the book Killing Jesus? Um yeah. And he was he was criticized by saying, "Hey, why didn't you include the resurrection?" And his answer, you know what his answer was? <laughs> this is great. He said, "I was writing a history book. It's not a religious book." Oh my. God. So the insinuation is is that the fact that Jesus was crucified is a matter of history. But the fact that he was raised is a matter of religious belief. Now that's what the Bill O'Reilly said. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, in in truth, I mean, he's wanting to write a book to appeal to the most number of people. So that's that's why. But, um, but I mean, if I just said to you, uh, "Hey, Grandma rose from the dead," would there be any objective way to verify that event happened or not? Uh, yeah, you could go and visit grandma. <laughs> you could go to the grave site, and if it's dug up, I mean, if, if it's bursting out of the ground, then I suppose it happened. If not, it didn't. So to say that Jesus rose from the dead is kind of the same question of just objective reality. So mm-hmm. in any case, Paul's making the case uh, that it wasn't just seen by a few, but seen by a lot, 500 mm-hmm. at least. So mm-hmm. this is something he mentions in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Mm, you're right. Wow. I'm not going to double nothing after that. I don't know the verse, so. I, I It's a four-verse range. I'll give you triple or nothing. <laughs> so I just got to name. you guess one of the verses in the range. Oh, man. So you just get, you guess one number, and if it, it, it's a... F- it's a, it's a, if I remember right, it's a, in long fact, it's chapter. a five verse range. It's, it's a five verse range. Okay. It's a long chapter. Uh, I'm going to say verse, yeah. verse uh, 38. Oh, it's verses four to eight. Oh, really? Oh, man. Okay. So well, let's you, talk about, that was nothing. Okay, let's talk about long gospel, though. Um, yes. yes so, so here's the thing everything, I mean, so let's just ask a question. Since everything I already said that Paul says it all comes down to whether Christ rose from the dead. Does all that come down upon the law? Like only the law applies if Christ rose from the dead? Or does it all come down to the gospel, that the forgiveness of sins rests on the resurrection of Christ? And it's the latter. So he's saying this so that we would know that our sins are forgiven, that that, that we are not of all men to be pitied because Christ has rose from the dead, that, that we, in fact, have um, 
the righteousness of God bestowed to us for the sake of Christ and his death and resurrection. So pure gospel. You're right about that, but you don't get any points. Okay. Well, you wanted to expedite this game, so one more round with one verse. And... Yeah, I, I think it is hard to play. By the way, reason expediting for two reasons, because number one, there's another cool game I want to teach you guys, but number two is it's hard to play um, the one-word Bible B. That's for the, you know, that's for the experts. Right. So. And I couldn't find my uh, my spreadsheet of all the one-word clues. Yeah. Anyway, so but I'm ready. So one word clue. So this is this no, is the this is the one verse clue, right? One verse clue. Yep. Okay. So somewhere in the Bible is this one verse. For the Lord will not reject forever. <laughs> oh. Well, that's gospel. <laughs> the Lord will not reject forever. Now this is a okay, okay. Now let's let's think through this. Can I can I, can you tell me if the Lord if as you're reading it there is is Lord in all capital letters? No, normal case. No, so capital L, lowercase. Correct. Okay. Now the reason I ask that question, if it's all caps, it's only Old Testament. So whenever you see Lord all caps, that's the divine name in Hebrew. So you never see it in the New Testament. So that, that doesn't help me narrow it down. Although I still think this is Old Testament. So it's the word Adonai. The Lord will not reject forever. Although it could be a, a prophetic verse being quoted in the New Testament. That's an option. I, but I think this has got to originate with the prophets. The Lord will not... How does it says reject forever? Correct. That word reject is... Mm. I, if it was something else, like the Lord will not despise for a punish forever something like that i would think maybe more one of the minor problems but the word reject it's such an emotionally loaded word that that's leaning me towards the psalms what what um what version are you reading out of new american standard bible do you have a do you have a a requested ver version i'll read no, it new american yeah yeah read it to me in the esv okay let me just uh click a few things here and i'll pull that up the Lord will not so, reject. So her. while I'm pulling this up, what, what are you looking for with the translation? Well, the, you know, the NASB, so I'm, I'm wondering how precise that word reject is, if it's a little bit loose or something. But the NASB, interestingly enough, Ooh. when they translate the Psalms, they translate it with Old English. So here's, here's the ESV. The Lord will not cast off forever. Yeah, okay, that's, so that's better. Cast off is more objective, rejective. Okay, so I don't think it's the Psalms because I, the New American Standard will have like the these and the thous in the, just in the Psalms. It's really interesting how they do that. The Lord will not cast off forever. So this is so the Lord promises. So in in Moses, the Lord will the the, the as the people sin, the Lord is punishing their sin, and then as they are. As they repent, he's always promising to restore them. He will. Res I, 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 so this is reminding me that the Lord will not cast off. He will restore the fortunes of Jacob. I think this has got to be one of the prophets, and it's got to be one of the prophets of the exile, like Ezekiel or one of the other minor prophets. Like the Lord will not cast off. The Lord will not. I think the casting off is really an exit. I'm going to guess Hosea. What is the pro who is the prophet Hosea? I'm sorry, oh, man. This is Lamentations chapter three. Ah, 
Can I read the next verse too? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so 31 is for the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Yes, and this is, and, and right before that is the verse, the Lord does not willingly afflict his people. Is that the verse before? Or right around not there. immediately a, before it might be in the that's amazing text. The Lord does not willingly afflict His people. Ah, lamentations. Yeah, I could have got there. Ah, <laughs> um, it's a beautiful little poem written by Jeremiah I mean, after is... the destruction of Jerusalem when he's probably headed to exile in Egypt while the other people are headed in exile to Babylon. This is the the passage that we know pretty well that the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for His compassions never fail; they are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. That's great. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Beautiful text. Yeah. Uh, gospel, by the way, but that doesn't matter. Yep. So do you lose? I mean, it matters most of all, but it doesn't matter. Do you lose points. points when you miss a round well, in Bible? No. Life? I always forget. What kind of game are you playing? Well, I don't know. You, that's how Jeopardy works, and you're answering in the form of a question. I just answer everything in the form of a question, <laughs> so I don't forget. I think if you answer in the form of a question, you risk losing points. <laughs> it switches over to Jeopardy rules? Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Here's your last round. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm thankful that you're using texts that have been in the lectionary recently because otherwise I might not be able to get these things. Um, it's an interesting thing that um, when this guy named Nicodemus comes up to Jesus— and, I mean, you get the sense that he's buttering him up. You know, oh, you're such a good teacher. Um, and then Jesus drops the bomb on him and says, uh, unless you are... Now, there's a translation thing. There's this Greek word, anothain, can, can mean either uh, from above or again. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes Lutherans like to translate it from above just so that we're not like the uh, born-agains. Um, but both could work. Uh, however, I, I would expect if it was, again, maybe Paulin would be the word. But here's 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 my take on this, the whole Nicodemus encounter, that Jesus is is intentionally saying from above. I and mean, if you look at Anothin throughout the New Testament, it's almost always in some form of above or from heaven, something like this. So Jesus is saying, look, you must be born from above. You must be born from heaven to enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus takes it or understands it as being born again so he misunderstands what the lord is saying now i don't want to get too stuck up on that because if you're being born from above then that is an, another birth a second birth so a being born again is fine um, but i think what nicodemus misunderstands is not just that he's being you know he's missing the point but that it wasn't intended to mean a being born again at all it was being born from above so uh, so Nicodemus says that, and then and then Jesus's response to that is um, this verse that you just said. So this is all in, uh, found in John chapter three. Whoa, whoa! Skipping all together, just the simple verse. So John, that's one hundred points. Chapter three, that's two hundred points. That gives you a total of three hundred points. Now I will give you, I will give you. I'll give you four to one if you can guess the verse. <laughs> you know, I don't really need 1200, to. 
1,200 points. I don't really need to because I'm tied with you right now, and I still have Law Gospel to do. Wow. Okay. Just going to stay <laughs> there. All right. All right. Um, it would have been easy. What it, would you have said? <laughs> well, okay, so I know it's right around verse 5, so it might be verse I think it's verse 6. It is. Oh, damn. <laughs> Should have gone there. Should have taken the risk. All right. Log off for after this. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. All right, so John 3 is the chapter, and Jesus. this is where Jesus is talking about baptism with Nicodemus. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You know what the, you know what the Pentecostals will say about that verse, don't you? What's that? Uh, that unless one is born of water and the Spirit... Uh, speaking of two different uh, baptism, or, or not two yeah, different, but two yeah, different births, yeah, so that right. being born of the water is being is the natural, the the flesh birth. So the water is amniotic fluid, and the spirit uh, is the baptism of the spirit. Um, so you you know when when they pierced the side of Jesus, do you know what flowed from his side? Uh, amniotic blood fluid. And amniotic yeah. fluid. <laughs> So it was amazing. Obviously. It was amazing. <laughs> okay, but so the question is, is John 3, 6, law or gospel, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. This is law and gospel, because the first part is specifically saying that being being born isn't that, I mean, that, that to be born in the flesh, the scriptures talk about um, being born into original sin. So if you're merely born in the flesh, then you're of the flesh. Uh, Galatians would speak to this. Mm-hmm. But being born in the Spirit is uh, being born in the Holy Spirit, in, in baptism, so that mm-hmm. that we would be mm-hmm. of the Spirit, having been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is both oh, law and gospel. Right. That's right. Right. All right, okay. so you got a new game for us? Yeah, this is a... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, points, 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 points. I gave you 200. That's you got 500. Don't worry. <laughs> this is... Uh, Name that chief part. This is the way this goes. Okay. Uh, This is a game that's, um, it is designed to help mm, shape the categories of our mind. So, you know, how, how you, how do you categorize things? How you connect things to one another is important. That's why one of the reasons why we play 10 commandments in the news is because we want to establish the 10, the 10 commandments as, as categories of our mind and our thinking. Well, we do want to do the same with the six chief parts in the catechism. So the six chief parts that we have that were taught are Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer, Baptism, Confession, Absolution, and Lord's Supper. So we want to think in these things. Whenever we are reading the Bible or looking at stuff, we can say, ah, oh, that's that's a Ten Commandment portion, uh, or that's a, that's a Creed portion. And we want to have those categories kind of firmly established. So the way this game works is you pull out your old catechism, and you, uh, you, you, you read a verse 
or a story there, and then the kids can answer what chief part is this talking about. Now, I'll give them a couple of guesses, you know, because because they're kids, although we only get one guess. So that's the way it goes. And so, and, and as you hone in, you can get more and more points. So say you read a verse and you're like, ah, that's a creed. That's a verse of the creed. Well, sure enough, it's a great ver way to be uh, for the creed. Uh, and then say, oh, that's a first article uh, verse. Then you get double the points. So that's the, that's the way the game works. And uh, also, you got to be careful because sometimes verses are listed in more than one section. So if the kids can articulate why, you know, so for example, maybe that's a, oh, that's a verse has to do with the forgiveness of sins. So maybe they say third article, the creed, or maybe they say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. Then you want to give the points for being able to make that connection, even if it's not where the verse is listed in the catechism. That's so that's how that game it. works. That's like, that's like when the teacher says, like, review your test, and if you can explain why you answered it, I mean, you're just going to get a barrage. But that's a good thing, right? Because we want the kids thinking about uh, how these things apply to the catechism. So Indeed. That's okay. it. That's, so that's the point of the game. So get it? You get it? Got, got the way I this think, is going? I think I'm getting it, yeah. So good. you okay. want to give me one first, and then we'll see yeah. how Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about this? Well, this is a good one. Oh, Israel, you have destroyed yourself, but in me is your help. Interesting. Oh, Israel, you have destroyed yourself, but in me is your help. Here, I'll give you another verse. Next, The next verse. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did. So do you. By the way, I'm reading from the old catechism. I think, uh, okay, so I think this is going to be the chief part of the creed. Really? Why do you think that? Because I think Why that... would you think something so ridiculous? <laughs> well, I, so I'm going to hone in then on the third article of the creed, because one of the things that we discuss is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the third article of the creed. And um, the Holy Spirit's work, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to faith in God and faith in Christ. And um, there's a point that is sometimes missed by some of our of our our brothers and sisters that that the Holy Spirit uh, cannot be resisted. Um. So so I think that the Catechism I, I'm pretty sure uses those verses as a point that the Holy Spirit can be resisted in the third article of the Creed. Wow. Am you right? are 100% right. Woo! This is under the question, does, any, does the Holy Ghost desire to work all this in everyone who hears the gospel? Yes, then why are not all men saved? That's the, those are the verses. Whew. You, I'm going to give you 200 points for getting the chief part right, and I'm going to give you 300 points for honing into the third article. For a total of 500 points, bringing your total point total current in the game to one a millennium of points. How many points do I get for countering a Calvinist doctrine? Uh, <laughs> 1,004 points. I don't want you alienating our Calvinist listeners. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's see. I got this. How about... Um, First John, am I supposed to tell you where it's from in the Bible? You can. Okay. But your verses, by the way, were from Hosea 13 and Acts chapter 7. Okay. So First John 2, 1, if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
Mm. You have an ad, a paraclete with the Father. Jesus Christ, oh, what a glorious verse. That word paraclete, advocate, there is used of, whole, of the Holy Spirit, where Jesus says, I'll send you another advocate. That's the Holy Spirit advocating in our hearts and consciences. Jesus is our advocate before the Father. How beautiful. Uh, we have an advocate with the Father. This is, has to do with Jesus' priestly work. Um, where else could it be? So I think that's, we have an advocate with the Father. I think this is going to be uh, also in the Creed, second article, on Jesus, and I'll bet you it's on his, the three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king, and this would have to do with his, they put it in his priestly office. Whew, you nailed it. You could not get any more, is this the first verse or the second verse listed? Uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's probably the first, I would say. You I should know. say it's probably the second, because it's second, pretty, probably pretty, the pretty second. late in the Bible. Yeah. What's the, uh, what does the <laughs> first verse? Romans eight thirty four. Christ is the right oh. hand of God and is also interceding oh, yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's well done. Text. Nailed it. Absolutely glorious text. You know, this reminds me of this game I wanted to event. You, you know that card game, Pandemic? <laughs> this is bad. Where some sort of plague comes and you have to work together to, like, stop it. I played that once with some nerdy kids. Uh, they, and, and I never quite understood it. But I always thought we should make a, a card game like that where you're kind of combat a heresy. And your cards are verses. So you'd have, like, Second John or, or First John 2, that verse there. And it would have, like... It would have like a, a two natures, four and priestly work of Christ two. It would have a certain strength to combat a certain heresy, and you're trying to figure out what cards to play against what heresies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I need to. Okay. I need to learn how to play Pandemic first. You gonna <laughs> dish out any uh, points for that? Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't know how many. I'm gonna give you a total of. Uh, one thousand points. So that gives you seven hundred. What's the score? Seven hundred to a thousand and four. It's close. No, I was giving you a total of a thousand. So uh, you, oh, ha- oh, you, oh. you had three hundred previously, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you have a thousand. So a thousand to a thousand and four is okay. the score. Okay, it's pretty good. Okay, I'll give you one. You ready? Yes. How much time we got? Uh, we have one minute and twenty seconds. Jesus said to Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Ooh. So we're tempted to think that this is in... Oh, so, okay. So I, I was initially going to say that we're tempted to think that this is in uh, the Lord's Prayer of give us this day our daily bread. And I don't think it is. But I do think it is in the Lord's Prayer. So I'll go with that chief part. Yeah, that's it. You're gonna dig in any further? Yeah, I am. So, so I think where the catechism brings us up is it's trying to draw this distinction between test and tempt. And so, uh, we even though that's the same Greek word in in uh, it's, it's the same word in Greek, test or tempt. Um, we do make draw a theological distinction between a temptation, which is drawing us away from Christ and His promises, and a test, which is designed to draw us closer. Um, so this is found in the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation. Man, oh man, 100% right. The word temptation refers either to an act of testing or to enticement of the devil, in which sense is it said that God tempts man, and there it is, right there. 
Oof. All right. All right, I'll give you 275 points. You have 10 seconds. This is Acts 241. Those who accepted his message were baptized. <laughs> uh, fourth chief part, baptism. <laughs> you got it. All right, I'll give you four points. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Four points. So with the final score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Glorious points. Table Talk Radio is not to 1279 measles. It's not the quantity of the points that matter, but the quality of the points. Lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, high quality points. A sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off the treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.